Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning, City Walk. How are we doing? Morning, those of you that are watching online because you went to the Taylor Swift concert last night and you're not at church today, my wife uh, and my daughter. Uh, no, welcome uh, those of you that are new and those of you that have been here for a while. We're so thankful that you're here. If you're watching online, we are excited that you're with us this morning. Uh, have you enjoyed a little bit of cooler weather this week? It's like we've had a couple mornings where you didn't hate yourself when you went outside, and then I guess in a few days it's going to get hot again, but we've enjoyed a little bit of a cooler weather. Did you have a good week this past week? Did everybody have a good week? We had a good week at the Fincham house because it was we had a birthday in our family. So my 10-year-old, she was 9, now she's 10, hence the birthday, uh, Kate had her birthday. And if you're about my age, kind of mid-40s or above, or maybe even in your 30s, birthdays aren't as big of a deal. I mean, you enjoy a birthday, enjoy maybe a cake or a present or two. But when you're a little kid, and if you have grandkids or you have kids at the home, you know that, man, a birthday is a huge deal. My daughter, Kate, she begins talking about her birthday for the next year, basically when this one's over. And then as we get closer, the intensity on her conversation and, and, and her, I mean, she diagrammed out on, a, on like a big whiteboard what her birthday was going to look like this year. And as we got like a couple days before, 95% of what she talked about and thought about was her birthday. And she, man, so much. And then the day of, it's the one day in the year other than Christmas that you don't have to go wake your kid up, that they actually come and wake you up because they're so excited because they're anticipating, man, something very special. And so when they anticipate and they're excited, man, they're, they're easy to get up. And that's exactly what happened to us. And if you have kids around your house, you've dealt with that. But even if you don't, or you, you, maybe your birthday has been a little, you know, you're kind of in the middle of the year and, and you haven't had your birthday, no matter what, all of us know kind of the feeling that I just described. All of us know what it feels like, whether we're a little kid looking for our birthday or whether we're an adult man waiting for that job that we, we interviewed and we're waiting for that phone call. Or, or we're engaged and we're waiting for the date to get here for the wedding. Or, or there's other things, man, when, when you know, we all know the feeling of anticipation. I remember when we have three kids and my oldest is 21, his name's Austin. And I remember anticipating his birth. And for us, my wife was, because he was breached, it was going to be a C-section. So we knew, it wasn't like waiting around to, to find out when he was going to be born. Like, we knew when it was going to happen. And I remember the week before, 
I probably, I must have had extra angels around me that week because I was running red lights. I, I was foggy in my brain. I was nervous. I was excited. The night before, I remember not being able to sleep. I just got my computer out and sat on the floor next to the bed where my wife was sleeping very uncomfortably and, and just working because I didn't know what else to do. And then the morning came and we go and we have Austin. And I just remember such anticipation for that first child and just not knowing what it was going to be like and, and a mixture of nervousness and excitement. And as, as much as I anticipated Austin's birth, there was a guy in the scriptures who probably made my anticipation for my son's birth look like JV. And his name was Abraham. And, and Abraham was a guy that, man, he understood what it was like to anticipate something. He understood what it was like to wait and have to be patient and, and look towards something in the future and, and, and not know if, when it was going to happen or if it was going to happen. And, and, and he understood that. And as we, over this next few weeks, as we unpack this series, we walk through some different characters in the Bible and we look at some of the specific miracles that God did in their lives. Today, we're going to lean into the story of this guy by the name of Abraham. And Abraham was a guy that, man, and we'll unpack his story a little bit, but he understood what it was like to not know when and if God was going to come through, even though God had said it. And as we look at his story, whether you're a follower of Jesus or maybe you're here and you're a little skeptical of the whole Jesus thing, as we unpack his story and then the others in this series over the next few weeks, here's what my prayer is. My prayer is that we learn or, or at least be reminded of these three things. First, that God sees you, that God loves you, and that God is for you. That, that God sees you, that God loves you, and that God is for you. And as we look at Abraham's story and we look at some of the miracles in his life and the miracles in some of these other characters that we're going to look at in these next few weeks, you're going to see through these stories, these real life people that lived and saw God do miracles, you're going to see that God saw those people. When they weren't sure where God was or what God was doing, that God saw them, that he sees you. That God not only saw them, but that he loved them and that he loves you. And that God is for them and that God is for you. And those things will hopefully lead all of us to trust God. And so if you have your Bible or it'll be up on the screen, look with me at Genesis chapter 12. And it's, and it's where we kind of pick up the story of Abraham at this point, his name isn't Abraham, it's actually called, a he's called Abram, and God changes his name a little bit kind of down the road. He he's from a place that would be kind of like modern day Iraq, it's called Ur, and it would be kind of where modern day Iraq is. He's about 75 years old, and God comes to Abram, and he speaks to him, and he asks him to do something that's pretty unusual. Look with me at, at Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. It says this, the Lord said to Abram, 
Go from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. So, so this is, to us, would, would be something that, man, it would, wouldn't be a big deal to, to move away from your family today. But back in this time, that wasn't normal. It, it wasn't normal to just kind of pack up things and then and leave your family and, and go far away because... You're, you basically were, land was passed down, possessions were passed down. It's kind of how it worked. But God comes to Abram at the age of 75. He says, hey man, I want you to get up and I want you to go somewhere else. I want you to leave your family, leave your land, leave everything that was going to be passed down to you. I want you to go somewhere else. And God says this to him in verse 2. He says, I will make you into a great nation. Only one problem. He's 75 years old and he doesn't have a kid yet. God says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. He says, I I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Abram, not not only am I going to be a blessing to you and your family, but through your family, I'm going to bless and bring blessing on all the nations of the world. So, okay, God comes to Abram, and so Abram, he obeys. He he obeys God. He he picks up his wife, and he, he moves everything, and Then once he gets to kind of where they're going, I mean, God's promised him that he's going to be a great nation. He obviously knows so far we don't have any kids. But once he gets kind of settled in, he begins to think about this. He begins to think, you know what? I'm in this spot where God put me. He he brought me to this new land. He he told me, and I think he was serious. He he told me he was going to make me a great nation. He was going to bless all the nations of the world through me. And I think the only way that happens is if I have some kids and then they have some kids. And, and so he's, he's starting to wonder, like, God, is this going to work out? Or am I going to basically not have any kids and all my possessions are going to be passed down to my servants' kids? Am I going to have an heir or is, is it all going to end up going to my servants' kids? And, and God comes back to Abram and, and he reminds him. He reminds him of what he's just said. And, and, and maybe you can relate with Abram at this point. Maybe you've heard the, hey, the check's in the mail. Uh, the opportunity, it's right around the corner. It's, it's about to come. It, it's going to be here before you know it. And you've kind of waited. And it's like, man, what was promised or what was, you know, somebody told you was going to happen. It, it doesn't seem to be playing out the way it was supposed to. And and maybe you felt that. Maybe you've even felt that with God. Maybe you felt that, man, I, I, I thought if I followed Jesus, that it, it meant that, that things would be different and life would get better. And, and maybe somebody lied to you and told you that, that if you'll just follow Jesus, all your problems go away. And maybe you're in the same spot that Abram was in, and you're like, man, it's not working out the way I thought it was going to work out. Man, it just is this is it going to end up playing out God and, and God comes back to him in Genesis chapter 15 and he reminds him of the promise he's already made. He says this in, in uh, verse 4 of chapter 15 he says now the word of the Lord came to him came to Abram 
And he says this to him. He says, this one will not be your heir. He says, no, your, your heir's not going to be your, your servant's son. It's, that one's not going to be your heir. God says this, instead, one who comes from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look at the sky and count the stars if you are able to count them. Then he said to him, your offspring will be that numerous. And so God, he says, hey, Abram, this isn't, I didn't like forget what I said. I didn't like, oh, I didn't mean to say that. No, when I told you, you were going to be a great nation and that you, your, your kids and your, the, the people that follow you were going to bless all. I wasn't not understanding what I was saying. That's going to happen. And then he says, hey, while we're talking, why don't you just head outside and look up? And I, I have a picture of some stars and in here where we live in Northern California and kind of in the West, and you, you've been outside and you've seen some nights like this probably, where you looked up and it's just like you start to count and then you just lose, I mean, it's like so many. And God basically, he takes Abram outside and he says, hey man, let me just give you maybe an illustration that you'll understand. Look up. Can you count those, buddy? You see how many there are? Well, your offspring, the, the children and the children's children that are going to come from you and be a blessing to the whole earth are going to outnumber what you're looking at in the sky. It's going to be more numerous than that. And then it says this in verse 6, such a key verse in the life of Abram. And it says, Abram believed the Lord and he credited it it to him as righteousness. Abram, what did he do? He believed. He put his trust in. He put his faith in what God had said. He believed the Lord, and it was because of that belief, because of that faith, that God gave him something that he did not deserve and he had not earned. He gave him righteousness. And everyone lived happily ever after, right? No. <laughs> if it ended there, baby Isaac comes, life's good, millions of children later. But that's not how it ended. In fact, it's just getting started because no, Abram is now in his mid-80s. And he's heard God promise him two times, hey, buddy, you're going to have a lot of kids. You're going to have a lot of grandkids and great-grandkids. You're going to bless the whole earth. Look at the sky, all the stars. He told him that, but Abram, he, and let's not get too upset at Abram, anybody that struggles with patience, like I do, he got a little bit impatient. Maybe God forgot about us. Maybe trusting God wasn't the best idea. Maybe God needs my help. And so Abram says, you know what, maybe, maybe God needs a little, like a little kick in the pants. Maybe I need to give him a little boost and give him a little help, show him how to do this. Because obviously Sarah and I are not getting any younger and we're not having kids and this whole promise and the stars in the sky thing. So he says, hey, well, maybe my, my, uh, there's a girl that actually works for the family. And maybe what I'll do is I'll just have a kid with her. And that can be kind of the, the heir and that can be the all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And so Abram, Abram he kind of you know, does what you do to have a kid with this lady. I'm sure Sarah was 
thrilled with this. Uh, and she gets pregnant, and she has a kid. And now Abram is probably thinking after this happens, well, that I just struck out. I mean, if God was going to come through, he, he ain't coming through now. I mean, I just blew it. I just went way out of God's plan. I mean, it, this is not the right way to do this. And I got impatient. And, and now, I mean, Abram is literally in his late 90s now, probably thinking that, you know what? God has long forgot about what he told me. And even if he was going to do something about it because of what I did, he, it's not going to happen. But, and, and aren't you glad about this? God's faithfulness is not built on my faithfulness. And it, Abram, it was the same with him. It, God wasn't up there like, well, if you're unfaithful, I'm going to be unfaithful. God says, no, I'm faithful. What I say, I mean. What I, what I promise comes to pass. That's not based on whether you have a good day or a bad day. I'm sovereign, and what I say will take place. And so God, he comes back to Abram at, at 99 years old, he changes his name to Abraham, and he says this, now Abram is now 100 years old, and it says this in Genesis 21, the Lord came to Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At the appointed time, God had told him. God wasn't late. God wasn't early. It happened when it was supposed to happen. God wasn't up there like, man, if he gets to 100, we're done. Like, man, if we can get this kid out before he turns 100, we got a chance. But, man, this... No, God's like, this is going to happen when I want it to happen. He's not looking at, like, well, when he gets a certain age, just... No, this is a miracle, and God, God's not tied down by our limitations. And so in his old age, it says, he had this kid. In verse 3, Abram named, Abraham named his son who was born to him, the one Sarah bore to him, Isaac. You, you talk about anticipation. Imagine what it must have been like to finally, after decade, after decade, after decade, to hold your son. I mean, he's so old, he might have needed a spotter to hold his son, to help him. But, but he was holding, like, he had a kid. God did what he was, said he was going to do, and, and they had this little baby. They named him Isaac. And now Abram, I mean, he, at this point in his life, he should have great-grandkids, maybe great-great-grandkids. But he has a son. Life is good. They're probably doing a reality TV show about Abram, Abraham and Sarah's life and probably got a book deal about how they believed God. And, you know, life is good. Finally, what God said happened. But then God comes and he asks Abraham to do something that's unthinkable. He, he asked Abraham to do something that is unimaginable, that, that, that to that point in Abraham's life, the things that he considered hard, were, well, they paled in comparison to what God was about to ask Abraham and Sarah to do in Genesis chapter 22. 
And Genesis 22, now Isaac is a, a young man. Abraham is, is now into his 100s, maybe 115, 120. I mean, he's an old guy. And it says this, after these things, God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he answered. Verse 2, take your son. He said, your, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. What? You want me to do what, God? God says, I want you to take Isaac. You know, your only son, Isaac, the one you've prayed for, the one I promised you, the, the one you love, the, the one who is the fulfillment of my promise to you, the, the avenue of, of my blessing to you in the future, the, the avenue to financial and generational blessing, that Isaac, you want me to take him and do what? Nothing. I mean, at this point, Abraham is an old man, and I mean, nothing is more important to him than his son. But God, and, and it's not like there's more to the story than what we have. God, from what we see, God didn't give a big explanation. It wasn't like God said, hey, let me get the whiteboard out. Let me show you how this whole thing's going to play out. I know it sounds a little crazy on the front end, Abraham, but let me walk you through how this is all going to work. No, he, he didn't give a big explanation. He didn't explain it to Abraham. He just said, hey, Abraham, the son that I gave you, the, the son that is the heir to, your, to you, that's going to be the, the heir to everything you have, that's the person that's going to be the person that will bless the rest of the world through him, like that one. I want you to take him to Moriah, and I want you to offer him as a burnt offering. I mean, uh, just imagine, you talk about getting a punch to the stomach. Imagine how Abraham's heart sank. Uh, imagine what it would have been like to walk into the tent where Sarah was and to have to tell her what God had just told Abraham to do. In the midst of what was probably by far the hardest thing Abraham ever had to do, he believed and obeyed God. It says this in verse 3. So Abraham got up early in the morning. I don't know about you. I might have called in sick that day. But Abraham, he, he got up early. He, he saddled his donkey and took with him two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering and he set out to go to the place God had told him about. So Abraham, he, he doesn't delay. He doesn't, well, God, have you, can we just discuss this some? It says he obeyed. He got up early in the morning. He prepared everything that needed to be prepared. He actually brought some guys with him to help in this process and to carry the stuff. And he, he got up early. And it was a three-day journey. It was so, I mean, it wasn't like, hey, right around the corner. I mean, it's like they had to travel together for several days. And after three days of traveling with his son Isaac and the, the few guys that he took with him, off in the distance he sees the place that he's to sacrifice his son. And he tells the guys, he says, hey guys, you, you stay here and 
Isaac and I, we're going to head up on the mountain and, and do what God's asked us to do. But, and, and he says this, I love this. He says, hey, but we're going to come back. He, t- he tells us guys, he tells them, you know, we're going to go worship and we, plural, are coming back. He didn't know how it was going to work. He just believed and trusted God. So they get up onto the mountain. Isaac, as he's kind of going up on the mountain, if you've read through this story at all, Isaac asks, like, Dad, it, uh, got some wood, but got some fire, but like, what are we, don't you need like an animal? Like, how are we going to, what are we going to do? And Abraham says, God will take care of that. That'll, uh, don't worry about that, buddy. God will take care of that. And so they get up on the mountain, and it says this in verse 9. When they arrived at the place that God had told him about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. And what always blows my mind about this story is Abraham's a really old man, and Isaac is probably 30s, 40s. Like, he's a strong... This isn't like what you saw on a flannel graph board growing up as a kid or what you were taught in Sunday school with, you know, all right, let's go, little Isaac, let's, let's head up. No, this is a, like a strong, like could whoop his dad any day of the week. And so Isaac probably, whether he knew what he was doing or not, I mean, he's probably building the altar himself, helping his dad build the altar that he's supposed to die on. And then it says this, he bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son after they probably build this thing together. And Isaac, again, this isn't like uh, dad's overpowering Isaac. Again, Isaac, if he doesn't want to get on the altar, he ain't going on there. He's way stronger than his dad. And so that means that Isaac, when he was bound, he had to offer up himself to be bound. He had to crawl up on the altar himself. And from what we read, that's what he did. That's what he did. And after he puts him on the altar and that like moment comes where it's like, man, we've thought about it and now it's time. He takes the knife to start the process. And as he's literally ready to take a knife and put it through his son, it says this in verse 11, but the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He replied, here I am. Then he said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your only son from me. Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And then I love what verse 14 says. And Abraham named the place the Lord will provide. So today it is said it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. After this is all over, Abraham says, we're going to call this place, the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. See, because throughout Abraham's life, and, and if we had time, we could unpack more about his life, but throughout Abraham's life, he experienced at least two just huge miracles. 
He, he experienced having a child when he and his wife were long past the time when you should be able to physically have a kid. He was 100 years old. His wife was in her 90s. They experienced this miracle of having a baby boy long past when they were supposed to. But then Abraham, he now he experiences another miracle. That the Lord provided a ram to be the sacrifice instead of his son Isaac. Up on this mountain, he's ready to obey God. He doesn't understand why. He doesn't understand how it's all going to work out. But he believes God and he, he, he goes through. He starts to work through what God's told him. And then God stops him and provides a substitute, a ram, a second miracle that Abraham had experienced. And as you, you think about Abraham's life and the miracles that he experienced, at least two huge miracles, his entire life actually points to a third miracle that's greater than the first two. See, if you, if you look at Abraham's life and, and the things that he went through, his life points to a third, even greater miracle than having a son at a hundred or God providing a ram as a substitute for his son. And here's why. 42 generations later, one of Abraham's descendants would voluntarily crawl up on a cross. He would voluntarily take nails into his wrist and into his feet. He would voluntarily allow people to spit at him and beat him and make fun of him. He would voluntarily carry a cross. He would voluntarily take punches to the face. He would voluntarily bleed and die for the sins of the world. 42 generations later, the entire world was blessed through the children of this man named Abraham. And, and Jesus, the beautiful thing about Jesus who came 42 generations later is not only did he die on that cross, not only did he voluntarily lay on that cross and take the pain and the punishment and, and what I deserved and what those that, that you deserved, not only did he do that, but when they laid his body in a grave three days later, he voluntarily got up and is alive today. He rose from the grave. And, and, and as you think about Jesus' life, as you think about his death, as you think about his resurrection, whether you're a follower of Jesus or maybe you're skeptical of the whole Jesus thing, maybe you're watching online, you're here this morning, when you look at Jesus' life and the sacrifice, it's as if God was using the biggest megaphone that he had to say, I see you. I love you. And I'm for you. I, I see you. I, I love you and I am for you. It's, it's the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus that punctuates the message that God sees, God loves, and he is for you if you ever didn't know that because of Jesus and his life. 
And you may be in a season, maybe you're watching online or you're here this morning, and you may be in a season like Abraham, and a season like he was in at different times of his life. Maybe for you, it's, you're in a spot where you're anticipating something. And the timing so far, it just, it just hasn't happened. And, and you're, if you're honest, you're starting to, I don't really know if I trust God on this one. And maybe, maybe you're in a season right now where just the timing isn't working the way you think it's supposed to. And, and there's that anticipation. And if you're not careful, it leads to some anxiety. And you're, you're questioning God a little bit. Maybe you're in that spot like Abraham was at times in his life. Maybe you're dealing with a trial like Abraham did, a test that you didn't expect and you don't understand. Maybe there's something going on in your life right now that, man, you, you never asked for it. You don't love it. You don't even understand it. It's not easy. And maybe you find yourself like that, kind of how Abraham felt when God came to him and said, hey, I want you to take your son and sacrifice him. Maybe you find yourself there. You just don't know what to do. You don't really understand. Or maybe, maybe amid your frustration, maybe amid some impatience, maybe like Abraham, you made some bad decisions. And you, as you were waiting on God, and as you, man, were struggling with trust in Him, and we're just kind of said, I'm just going to go and try to do something myself. And maybe you look back now, and, and like Abraham, he kind of kind of tried to go at it himself and, and, and kind of went outside of God's plan. And maybe in your life, there's, you think about your life and you see some moments like that. Where for you, you instead of just waiting on God, you, you took a step and, and you look back now and you think, oh, man, that was not a good decision. If I would have just trusted God in that moment, it would be much different. Maybe you feel distant from God. Maybe because of a bad decision you made, you think, man, I'm probably done with God. He's definitely done with me, at least. Maybe maybe that's where you're at. And and instead of looking at the miracles of God throughout the Old Testament, instead of reading Abraham's story as if it's a fairy tale, what if you and I saw the miracles in the Old Testament? What if we saw the miracles in Abraham's life for what they really were. They were the all-powerful, one true God who loved this man Abraham and Sarah so deeply and had a plan for their life and for the future of the world. And so God showed up in miraculous ways for these real people Because he deeply loved them and he knew what was best. What if instead of looking at Abraham's story like, oh, that's kind of like a fairy tale or some story like we would put it up against like Harry Potter, like a book like that. Like what what if we looked at it for what it really was? A real person and a real God who came through and showed up and did a miraculous work to prove who he was and to move Abraham and Sarah towards his best for them. What if we looked at it the way it really was? What if we allowed the story of Abraham to remind us that God sees you? 
Like, like God sees you. That, that you and I are important to God. That he sees you. That he knows you individually. So, some of, I mean, if, you're, if we're honest, you, you may struggle to believe this. You may think, ah, God, what does God want with me? I mean, I'm sure God's got a lot, like, a lot going on. And like, why, why does he care about little me out here? Why is he concerned about the, the small things in my life that are making me anxious? And, and the story of Abraham should remind us that God sees you. He sees you as an individual. He, he sees you, but not only does he see you, but he loves you. God has deep affection for you. He, is, he loves you unconditionally, and he doesn't just say he loves you. He proved it. A lot of people tell us they love us. A lot of people tell us they're going to come through. A lot of people say they care, but not many people, actually no people, have ever sacrificed their son for us except God. God said, I, I see you. I love you, and I love you so much, I desperately want a relationship with you, so I am going to send someone who will redeem and who will fix the problem of sin that's between you and me. And he sent his son because he sees, he loves, and the last thing is he is for you. See, God... And I, I don't, you may not agree with this. You may be like, eh, I have to think about that one. But God knows what's best. We don't. If you've lived long enough, you would probably volunteer like, yeah, I, I agree with you, Chris. I thought I knew best. I thought I knew the right path. And I got some stories to tell you that'll prove that I sure didn't know what I was thinking. God, God knows what's best. He is for us. And, and his his goal is to lead us to what's best. And sometimes that's not the most comfortable path. For Abraham, I'm sure on the back end of his life, he could look back and be like, okay, I can see how God, but, but as he's walking three days to go take his son that he loves dearly to sacrifice him, I'm sure he's not in that moment saying, you know what? This is fun. I love how God's working this thing out. No, it was tough. It was hard. He probably didn't sleep a lot. He probably had a lot of questions. He probably on one side, he knew what God said and he trusted him. But on the other side, he looked at his reality and he just didn't know how it was going to work. See, God sees us. God loves us. And he's for us. And like Abraham, we will not always understand what he's doing. We may not always even like it. But we can be confident that he sees, loves, and is for us. And here's what that should lead us to, whether you're a follower of Jesus or you're someone that's kind of investigating. It should lead us to say, I trust you. God, you see me just like you saw Abram, just like you cared deep for Abraham and Sarah. God, you, you love me. You don't love what I do for you. You love me. You love me. You, you love me when I do for you. You love me when I don't do for you. You love me individually. And God, you are for me. 
you have a plan that's best. You want to lead me down that plan just like you did with Abraham. And that should lead me to say, God, I trust. I trust you. I, I trust you. I'm leaning on you as my hope. My hope for eternity, but also my hope for today. Did you know that, that obviously we need to trust God for eternity and a relationship with God that leads us to heaven? But you know what else? If you're a dad, you need to trust God and be desperate for God so you'll be a good dad. It, uh, you're an employee. In order to really love the people that you work with well, that it's not in you. It's not in me. But that's why we, we don't just trust God for heaven and for eternity, but we trust God every single day of our life. God, help me to look more like Jesus today than I did yesterday. Help me to love the people I work with, even when they might not deserve it. Even when they're hateful to me, help me to love them. Help me to love my neighbor. Help me to be a servant to people that it's hard to serve. I can't do that on my own. It takes me saying, God, I need you. I trust you. I'm desperate for you. That's what it takes. And that process is a little easier when you're confident that God sees you. He loves you, and he's for you. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the story of Abraham and Sarah. It's a story for some maybe that they've, they've heard this story all their life. For others here or watching online, maybe they're new to church. Maybe they're coming back to church after being hurt. Maybe they're skeptical of the whole Jesus thing, and maybe the story of Abraham is new to them. But God, I thank you for allowing us to read and to hear about how you worked in this guy, Abraham, and his wife, Sarah. And if you're here this morning, maybe you're watching online, and you would say, hey, Chris, at this point in my life, I'm not a follower of Jesus. Maybe you have been hurt by the church. Maybe you walked away for a season. Maybe you're, you're skeptical of the whole Jesus thing, and, and maybe somebody invited you or you just found us online. But, but you would just be honest enough to say, hey, at this point in my life, I, I just don't, I don't have a relationship with God. If that's you, man, my, my prayer for you and, and what I'd love to invite you to do, even before you have all the answers to all your questions, I'd love to invite you to trust Jesus as your Savior. You say, Chris, what does that even mean? It means that you come to a place where you say, hey, I, on my own, I've disobeyed God. On my own, I've sinned. I've done things my way. It means that you come to a place where you admit that, but then you also come to a place where you believe that, hey, that Jesus came to earth, that he came as God and he lived a sinless life. And at the age of 33, he died on a cross to pay for our sin, for, to pay for our disobedience, not his.
And then he rose from the grave. And then you just ask God, God, I, I admit I've sinned. God, I admit I've disobeyed you. I believe that Jesus died and rose from the grave for me. <clears throat> and God, I just, I want to start a relationship with you. I want you to come into my life and transform me. And God does that when we invite him. And the scripture tells us that when we make that decision, we become new on the inside. Yeah, we get a place in heaven when we die, but it's so much more than that. We're transformed. And so if you're here this morning or watching online and you would say, Chris, I, yes, I want to do that. I want to make that decision. Just tell God between you and God, just say something like this. God, I, I admit I've sinned. God, I admit I've disobeyed you. Just tell God. And then just tell him, God, I believe. I believe that Jesus died and rose from the grave for me. I believe that. And then just invite. Say, God, please come into my life. Transform me. I want a relationship with you. If you're here this morning or you're watching online and you made that decision or you have questions about that decision, if you're here with us this morning, you can reach out right in front of you. There's a card that says, My Decision. You can fill that card out, drop it in the offering basket, or take it to the Next Steps table. We would love to answer your questions. We'd love to know about your decision. If you're watching online, you can go to citywalk.cc, and there's a card for you. Maybe you're here or you're watching online, and many of you say, I've already made that decision, Chris. I've, I've already made a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you're in a season where you're waiting, you're anticipating, it's hard to trust. Maybe you're facing an obstacle that you didn't see coming. And it's during this season that you need to take some time to just remember that God sees you. That God loves you. And that he's for you. That trial may stay in your life for a while, or it may go away quick. We, you don't know. That season of anticipation may end, or it may get more intense. You don't know. But in the midst of that season, would you grab hold of those three ideas that God sees you? He loves you, and He's for you. And maybe this week it would be worth just maybe putting that on your phone as your lock screen so that every time you pick up your phone you are reminded that God sees you God loves you and he's for you maybe it's putting it on a post-it note and putting it on your mirror or on your dashboard just a reminder that in the midst of your week that God sees you God loves you and he's for you and as we remind ourselves of that this week in very practical ways it will help us trust God the way Abraham did. Lord, I pray that you would help us know beyond a shadow of a doubt this week, Lord, as we go through our week, remind us that you see us, that you love us, and that you're for us. Down front, as we close, Glenn and Sue are going to be down front, and they are down front to pray with you. 
Uh, they're down front to, if you have questions. If you want to make a decision for Christ and you just want somebody to talk to, man, they're down front to help you with that. The band's going to sing a song, and, and as the band sings, if God is working in your heart and you want to make a decision, want to pray with someone, man, just make your way down front. They would love to help you. God, I pray that you would work in our heart this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.